For somebody who wants to be a fitness trainer, maybe they don't know where to start. What would you say? I think the first step is obviously get certified. And then I would say just put you into it. Make it you. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're not reinventing the squat. We're not reinventing the push-up. We can, you know, I can add some tricks and some turns to certain things, but people get sold on you. Be you. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that it's about like putting yourself and your personality into the fitness and connecting. It's connecting with people. Well, hello, everyone. And welcome back to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. How are my bougie besties doing? I hope you're fabulous because I'm fabulous and you're fabulous and we're all fabulous. <laughs> okay, go, go, relax. Today, I interviewed Star Hawkins. Star is one of my favorite fitness instructors in Miami. She is known for her unmatched energy. She is so entertaining. She puts you in such a good mood and she just makes you feel seen on all of her classes. And I was going to her classes in Miami, obviously. And then I heard her speak at a panel where she was sharing about her sobriety journey. And I was like, I never really knew that about you. And you know, sometimes you see people who are into fitness or you kind of just see the end result and you never really know that they had to go through some tough times to become the person they are today. So I wanted to interview Star and kind of learn more about her journey. So we talked about battles with addiction, being a single mom, and now finally being one of the most popular fitness trainers in Miami. Not just in Miami, she is popular on Instagram, TikTok, and she has really famous private clients, NFL players, Victoria's Secret supermodels. And another funny thing, she has an OnlyFans, but not for what you think. She, she was one of the first trainers that started an OnlyFans page to promote her fitness. I just love this episode because she opened her soul and it inspires me a lot. Before we get into the episode... I would absolutely love if you can subscribe to my podcast, leave a five-star rating and review because it helps the show grow more than you can possibly imagine. Okay, now let's hear from Star. Star Hawkins, welcome to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, usually you are kicking my ass in one of your workouts. <laughs> this is a, a different setting. <laughs> Right now I'm in your I'm in your space, which everyone can use a bougie best friend. I love that name, by the way. It's so good. Thank you. Thank you very much. First of all, not, not to like just like bounce back a compliment, but I love your name. Like the name Star is such a powerful name. Is there a story Thank behind you. it? So my mom's a hippie and I have a sister named Sky <laughs> as well. Star and Sky. Love that. She lives in Asheville, North Carolina. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a hippie town mm -hmm. in North Carolina. It's known for being hippie. So it's like kind of funny because that's probably mm -hmm. where you would go if you were a hippie. Yeah. I used to hate the name Star because I would get like picked on when I was younger, but now it's, it's so progressive. I thought my mom was weird, but apparently she was just, you know, ahead of the time. She, she now we got, ahead of it, 100%. we got Saint, Star, <laughs> Apple, you know, like the weirder, the better. So where did you grow up? You mentioned your mom was from where exactly? My mom lives in North Carolina in Asheville. And then my dad is like the DC area. So I've lived in both places, but mm -hmm. then I came to Miami about, my daughter just turned 13. So like 13 years mm -hmm. ago. Um, wow. and I've been here. Yeah. I've been here ever since. I love Miami. 
What? Tell me a little bit about your background. How did you grow up? What were your interests as a child? Now you're one of the most popular fitness trainers in Miami. So I'm curious to hear how it all started and how you got here. My parents obviously split, split when I was younger. Um, so one was in DC, one was in North Carolina. I'm biracial. So I'm, I'm black and white, but I grew up kind of in the South. So that was a little different for me because my mom was like always listening to rap music and like she's white, but I, she loves the black culture. You know, I grew up kind of like dealing with a little bit of racism living in North Carolina, kind of being ashamed of being um, biracial for a little bit. And then I would tell people on Martin Luther King Day, my dad's black. I remember one year my my boyfriend like broke up with me. So I always struggled with my identity a lot with with being biracial and being mixed. And then my mom had her struggles growing up. She was addicted to drugs and alcohol. Uh, most of my adolescence, uh, she recently, well, she didn't recently get sober. She's been sober for about nine years. So big yeah. ups to her. But um, I had a pretty crazy upbringing. I mean, I've always been like kind of a chameleon, like able to like fit in anywhere, always the life of the party, always telling the jokes because I kind of used it as a survival. Now that I'm like, you know, getting much older and I'm trying new things and I'm trying acting. And even I started a yoga teacher training. It's very hard for me to not tell jokes. I realize now that's mm -hmm. like my coping mechanism, which has helped me my whole life because it's made me the mm -hmm. fitness personality I am today. So I don't think I could be who I am without that part of my past. The only part that I probably would have done without is I kind of turned into her. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, I've also had struggles with alcohol and drugs, you know, growing up. And uh, I've been on the road of sobriety about the same time as, as her, like nine years on and off, you know. And I mean, fitness plays a really big part in me staying sober. I just have always had a really like good work ethic. I've always worked even when I was out drinking and using drugs. I always worked. I always kept a job. And once I found fitness, I really like just kind of like zeroed in and that obsessive personality that I can have really helps me catapult where I am right now. So sometimes you're, what is it? You're like defects are almost your, your like wins, you know, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like I could be super obsessed and, um, yeah. it can, it can give me drive, but then it also, you know, was my downfall in certain situations. So, so growing up with a mom who was struggling with addiction as a child, did you understand what was going on? Did she ever talk to you about it? Was it a taboo at your home? Can you explain a little bit how um, that was for you growing up? I realized something wasn't right. You know, like, I mean, I've been in situations where I've seen my mom using drugs or she would be like in the car running to ATMs. This is back in the day when you could write bad checks. I remember her writing mm -hmm. bad checks as not being able to go into supermarkets because of it. Cause she was like, I can't go there. I wrote a bad check. They're going to know you, you could get arrested. Mm -hmm. Like I always knew and I, I really was mean to her about it. So I was always kind of like the bad kid. Whereas my sister Sky kind of always, I don't know if she, maybe she's an Aquarius. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> Like at the same birthday as Kanye West, I'm more aggressive. Whereas I think she might have felt a little oh. bit bad for her. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think she felt a little bit bad for her, and she kind of like would stay with my mom and would. And I always kind of was like the whistleblower. I'm like, yo, this isn't right. Like, what are mm -hmm. you doing? She would have boyfriends, and I was not here for it. I remember one time, one of her boyfriends got a little bit too close for comfort with me, and. Mm -hmm. I like called the police right there. <laughs> I was like, I'm calling the police. You're you like, know, like, you're like zero fucks I, given. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always that girl. And I mean, it, it, I ended up, I just recently spoke at a, a adopting fundraiser because I, I never went into the system as far as foster care, but I did grow up a couple of years in a group home, uh, like a ba behavior kids group home. Like everybody thought I had behavioral problems. 
but I was really struggling with my mom's addictions and, you know, not feeling safe. I think being a kid as a parent now, I realize you have to feel safe. You don't have to have money. I mean, money's great. I love money, but Mm -hmm. you need to feel (laughs) like when you lock the door at night, you go to sleep, you're safe. And I don't, I didn't Mm -hmm. feel that for a very long time. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what fights were breaking out. I didn't know if some guy was going to try to come into my room. I didn't know if my mom was you know, going to die. Like it was, it was, it was pretty bad for a long time. I had resentments for a long time about it. Um, even when I got sober, you can't carry around those traumas, right? Cause it just like blocks your blessings. So I went and visited her this last time and she finally kind of like made a little bit of a apology to me. Like, I know I wasn't a good mother. I'm sorry. You know, and it, it really meant a lot. Like it really, it really did. I needed it to like kind of move on. I'm in a good place now, yeah. but she was sick. She was sick. It, it, you know, it wasn't great. Was she aware of her addiction or was she kind of pretending yeah, she knew. like everything? She okay? knew, but she, yeah, she knew she just couldn't, she couldn't, she couldn't control it. She would tell me she wanted to die. She was like, I want to die. Mm-hmm. I hate my life. I can't live. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was, she was bad. She was bad. But then I don't know. I think she struggled. She was diagnosed with ADHD, like at a young age, but this is back before, obviously Adderall, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it was like Ritalin. Now everybody got ADHD, do a little yeah, Adderall. Yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. focused. <laughs> so I think she struggled with learning disabilities, ADHD, and just being different. I, you know, I mm-hmm. think she like liked what she liked from a long time. And I think nowadays we would call it like hippie, progressive, you know, mm-hmm. I think she was misunderstood and she used alcohol to numb her. And I'm, once you go to alcohol, you open up the door for other drugs, you know, like cocaine, mm-hmm. weed, you know, you, you just dark energy creates dark energy. So you said something interesting. You said that at the very beginning, you were kind of attacking her. You were telling her this is not right. But then you said that you kind of became her. How did yeah. that happen? I mean, it's, it, it just happens, right? I, I mm-hmm. did really well in school. I was always smart, like not like study smart, but like I could not study and still get A's and B's, you know? <laughs> I was and the then- <laughs> same way, honestly. People were always surprised. Like you're always out, you're always doing things. You're always like entertaining yourself and then you get A's, like how? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, it. like I could pick up on stuff quick. Yeah. I even competed. I remember in like middle school, I would do like math competitions. I was really good at math. I applied for college, went to college and I lost it because in college you actually have to study. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) and then I I started partying, you know, and, and it's like alcohol. I mean, my story with alcoholism is it's weird. I think a lot of people assume that you have to be homeless. You have to wake up in the morning and drink, you know, you have to have this many glasses of wine a day, or you have to drink every single day. Like my alcoholism isn't like that. I could probably go out with you, Coco, and have one drink at happy mm-hmm. hour today. But then tomorrow I might get shit faced and be at 11 for the next five days. I don't know. You yeah. know, like mine is very different. And I think that's what makes it so, so different for everyone. It's, it's a self-diagnosed disease. You can't tell somebody they're an alcoholic because if they don't believe Mm -hmm. they're an alcoholic, they're not an alcoholic. And there are people, I have friends that can drink every night and function and maybe they can stop when they want to stop, you know, and they wouldn't consider themselves an alcoholic. For me, I kind of had to stop trying to figure out why and just not do it. Yeah, I mean, at some point when you feel like you're addiction of choice kind of impacts your day-to-day life, then you realize that you have a problem when you would rather drink at home than, I don't know, go somewhere or do something fun, 
Was that the case for you? Did you one day just realize, yo, this is too much? I had a bunch of situations that should have been mm -hmm. a sign. I mean, I could mm -hmm. tell you stories. I lost a Louboutin <laughs> at Live one time and I saved all my money to buy those Louboutins. Um, I, you know, woke up out of a blackout and somebody was in my car beside me and I was like, and they were like, no, you said you would give me a ride home. Scary. Mm -hmm. I got a DUI when I was 18 years old because we were all taking Xanax and drinking. But, you know, like I've had issues and like, The thing mm -hmm. is, is like none of this happens unless I was drinking. I didn't lose my phone. I didn't spend money on alcohol. I didn't buy everyone else drinks. I didn't sleep with somebody I didn't want to sleep with. I didn't get into a fight with every single person in my life defending my alcoholism or defending I just I need to be able to go out or I need to I work too mm -hmm. hard. I'm a single mother. I should be able to live my life like I didn't have those. Pro I don't have those problems today. Like mm -hmm. I can't tell you the last time I lost or broke my phone. I can't tell you. Mm hmm. I, mm -hmm. I, when I was drinking, I would lose a phone every like month. I lost my phone. Oh, my yeah. phone's gone. Lost, I left it in the bathroom. <laughs> like, oh. I left it in the club. This, that, yeah. like, and it was just normal. I was so chaotic all the time. The second I took the alcohol away, none of it happened. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that my life settled. And then I realized that I wasn't emotionally there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, cause once I stopped numbing, then all the emotions from all of the numbing that I've done, you know, since I've been drinking all come back. That was kind of hard. <laughs> If somebody listening right now is dealing with a parent that has an addiction, is there any advice or how can they cope with the situation or how can they just feel better about the whole thing? I mean, I definitely would say it's not you. They're sick. You know, it's almost like not even them because I I've, I mean, I know what it's like to be addicted and not think that you have a problem or not think that it is a problem. And and I, it's definitely not your fault. And if it's a situation you can get out of, I think that getting out of it and tough love is always the best option. I think a lot of times you mean like physically people, moving out or yeah, leaving the, or leaving mm -hmm. this. I mean, if, if you're a kid, you can't move out. You know what I mean? I was a mm -hmm. kid and I couldn't necessarily leave my mom. I did leave as soon as I could, you know, I got out mm -hmm. like running, but like a lot of times with loved ones, I think we try to maybe enable them because we think it's our fault or they make groups for that. It's called um, mm -hmm. Al-Anon. It's for people who, you know, have family members or, You're not alone. This is okay. So this is the thing. You're not alone. And we live in such an amazing time where social media and TikTok can connect so many people. Like I would just even Google support groups and make the call or go on Zoom because we're all so similar. I can guarantee like somebody has lost a Louboutin at live. I'm not the only one. <laughs> like somebody's going to hear that part. And they're going to be like, they're going to be like, me too. I did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we oh really, we are, we are individuals, you know, we're all special, but we all do the same shit. Like, yeah. you know, we all we have all, the same problems at the end of the day somehow. Right. We're, we're all struggling. So even just finding someone to talk to sometimes and share it with, you know, I do therapy I definitely think it made me who I am. I'm gonna be honest with you. I would not be this strong of a person. I would not be this fighter. I would not be mm -hmm. a force. I would not be out here ready. I am hungry. I am always like on it. And I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have it. My daughter, mm -hmm. I can tell you right now, my daughter ain't got it. She ain't got it. <laughs> like mom, mom, Uber, Uber my lunch. Mom, where's my iPhone? Like girl. So when I met you, I obviously met you on a workout here in Miami. And then I was just so amazed by your energy and your classes are so uplifting and your vibe is just like high vibes. That's the best des description. And then I was at a panel when I was listening to you speak. And that's when I learned 
this part of you that you were struggling with addiction and you were talking about your daughter and all of that. I was like, wow, I was just so blown away by, first of all, you're sharing that story. And then second, like seeing you today, people probably don't even know that you struggled with this a while ago. And people often see somebody and they're like, oh, wow, they're so successful. And they don't know that it was a long path to get there. So if you can kind of walk me through your journey from being in that situation, struggling with addiction, and then finally getting out of it and being the star Hawkins Miami knows today, baby mama fit. Well, I I got sober because I was dating a guy and I was crazy. And he was like, listen, if you don't get sober, I'm going to leave you. I was like, okay, I'm going to AA. I'm going to do it. Like, it was like basically just a on a whim trying to get my way, you know, and I ended up going and I don't know why I, I just, I stayed. I mean, it was like, I would hear the stories and I would hear the relatable stories that I had been through the same thing. And I was like, you know, maybe I do have a problem. And I want to say the first like year, every year I would relapse. Cause I'd be like, ah, oh, I don't have a problem anymore. You know, and I try to drink, thank God, like nothing very seriously. It, it would be like, you know, one day of drinking wine and I'd, be like, well, this ain't it. It's not for me, you know, and I would get get sober again. But through sobriety, I had all this energy. Okay, so I'm yeah. like, you know, newly sober, my thoughts are going, I'm overthinking life, I'm, I'm feeling I'm in fear, I feel guilty for all the things I've done. Because when you're sober, you, you there's work you have to do It's self work, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm like making amends to people, because I'm part of this program, trying to help myself get sober. And I'm, I'm facing things that I've done in my past. And, and a lot of emotions are coming up. And I'm learning a lot about myself. I have all this energy. And I was working like, I'll work any job. So I was working like two jobs at the time. I think I was working at Eberge. And then I was working at Barry's boot camp at the desk. And I love that job. And I loved going to Barry's classes. And I would meet people and they would come in the door and they'd be like, Oh, my God, star, you're so fun and da 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 da. And I would take the classes and I was good at the classes. And they were like, you should be a trainer. I said, Yeah, I should, you know, I'm like, fuck, yeah, I should be a trainer. <laughs> so I start training, I go to the audition, I bomb, I suck. I mean, I just, it doesn't, I'm a, I'm a fashion, I was in fashion before this. So I'm like, you know, retail my whole life. I've managed stores. I've done buying. I know customer service because of the retail. So I can sell anything. Mm-hmm. I can sell fitness, you know, but I completely bomb. So I kind of give up the dream and the ego in me is like, well, you know, I saw some of my friends going to teach Pilates and I was like, well, I'm not going to Pilates unless they approach me because I was so butthurt from not getting mm-hmm. berries, you know? Well, good friend of mine, Shauna, was the manager. She goes, Star, I think you should do Pilates. Come, please come. I went, I go, I signed up for the certification. That weekend, the guy that I got, in, I was dating, we got into a huge argument. I think he was cheating on me Is that the same again. guy? He was- It got me sober. You, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same one that got me sober. He was on and off in my life uh, for like five or six years, helped me get sober and be with my daughter. And he was like, he should have just been my friend, but mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> I dated story. a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole nother one. <laughs> That's why I love your your TikToks and your reels because you be letting girls know, like, no, this yeah. is not for you. Yeah. It does yeah. not serve yeah. you. So it was one of those situations where nothing mm-hmm. was right, but he did get me sober. So shout out him too. You know, shout whatever. out to him. Yeah, but he was a cheater. So shout out to the cheater. But (laughs) so he, I must have caught him cheating and I didn't go to the certification. 
And I didn't tell them that, obviously, but now I can. I don't think I told anybody this, but I didn't go to the certification. I think I got into a huge argument. I was like emotional wreck, whatever. And then I went to the next one a couple months later and um, I got certified. That's when I got into Pilates and I started getting all these girls coming to my classes. And I was told in the beginning, you're not the body type. That's not the music we listen to in Pilates because I was playing hip hop and you know, I was like built and they're like, this isn't boot camp. I was told a lot, but then people just kept coming to my classes, coming to my classes. And I started getting, you know, some high end clientele of Miami and they were like, Hey, can you come to my house? And I'm like, of course. So mm -hmm. then I started going to their houses and training them. And then Barry's called me back and they're like, listen, we want you to try out again. I want to say I tried out twice and didn't get it. So I must have missed a tryout in there. I think I tried out twice, didn't get it. Whatever, maybe the third one, I got it. I realized it wasn't really for me at the time. The dream that I wanted was to work at Barry's. And at that time, it didn't really fit me. I was By then, I was known as the Pilates girl. So I was killing Pilates, crushing it. And then most recently, uh, the last like six months, I went back to Barry's and my classes are completely full. I have like the prime time slots. Um, mm -hmm. I'm at Mimi Yoga. I'm doing hot Pilates there. And um, I'm that's, actually getting that's certified. A great, I, I can't wait to get to that class again. That was one of my favorite yeah. classes. It is a good, it's amazing class. The energy in that studio is amazing. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, it's like everything happens in due time. You know, like this was like over an, an eight year period of time. You know, I, I just like kept trying and kept trying. And I mean, even with berries, I think I tried out like three times. I didn't get it. I could have easily said no. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then also me and the guy broke up. I was doing nightlife at night. I was promoting clubs sober. I was out mm -hmm. like, cause at the time I needed to kind of be out to be okay. Cause I, I am a social person just cause I have a drinking problem. Doesn't mean I can't be in a club if I have a purpose, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I started How was the promoting uh, life for you. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, I love, I love being out. I love meeting people mm -hmm. being single. I needed it at that time. But I mean, after 2 a.m., I got to go home. Like mm -hmm. the drugs come mm -hmm. out. It's not for me. Now I'm old. So after midnight, it's time I turn into Cinderella. <laughs> I'm like, I got to go. And I, you know, I like it if it, there's like stuff to do. Like if, you know, there's strippers or if there's bowling or if there's like a rapper is going to be there or, you know, it needs to like, it needs to have an activity at this point. You said that you were declined from Barry's twice and then third time you got it. Was Barry's your dream venue or like your dream studio? That was the goal. I think that's where like the seed was planted and I couldn't get mm -hmm. it. That was the goal. And then once I got it, it kind of really wasn't mm -hmm. what I wanted at the time. I mean, now I'm back and I'm killing it and crushing mm -hmm. it. And, you know, shout out Barry's. I love Barry's too. I, the, through mm -hmm. the whole time, even when I wasn't working with them, I was still doing the workout. Um, it is one of mm -hmm. my favorite workouts other than Pilates as well. But yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what I love about you is like, you decided that I will get it. This is going to be for me. So can you talk a little bit about that for somebody who is maybe in a similar situation. Maybe they apply to a job they want to get, but they didn't get it once. And now they're like, okay, fuck, I'm gonna, you know, I'm not for that. They don't want me there. Like, is there something that you can, some kind of advice that you can kind of push them to be like, you will get it if you <laughs> work hard enough. I, I would definitely say that the way the world works and, and I don't know if it comes with age or what, but everything comes back around. Like how you treat mm -hmm. people now affects you later. You know what I mean? So just maintaining good relationships always. Maybe it didn't work out, but maybe the timing wasn't right for you. 
You know, like at that time, I don't think the timing was right for me because I was traveling. I was focused on my private clientele that was like giving me the credibility I needed for the classes. You know, I was expanding my knowledge for Pilates and my love for other things. And and I was really finding myself, right, finding my voice and building that confidence to be able to to really be who I am and come into my own. And I think timing is everything. You have to trust it. If it doesn't work out with you, cool. You know what? Keep a cool relationship. Cool. Awesome. It's not for me. Don't get salty. A lot of times we get salty and then you're mm-hmm. like, you know, fuck them or F them, whatever. They're not cool. But really, it's at the end of the day, it's business. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not the right time. Maybe they needed someone else at that time because I've literally gone back to Barry's, I think like three times at the desk. One time I was teaching. Now I'm back again. I've always <laughs> kept that relationship. Miami is so small. You know this, Coco. Like if I don't show up for a gig, I mean... You could be friends with a person. They're going to be like, hey, don't hire her. She didn't show up. Like you always have to keep communication, I think, and and just know that the timing is always right. If you know that, then you have nothing to stress about. When I was living in New York, there was this job that I really wanted and I applied for it, but I was so not ready. Now, looking back, obviously I didn't get the job, but then two years later, I got the job. And I was super salty back then. And I was like, they don't know what they're missing. I was just so arrogant about it, basically. But now looking back, I, I was so not ready for the job. And if I did get the job, I would definitely fuck it up. And then I would never get the opportunity again. So I'm super grateful that I didn't get that job back then. And then when I was ready, when the timing was right, I actually applied again. Or it, it was such a random story. Like a friend of mine was <laughs> so similar to yours right now. My friend was working at the front desk somewhere. And then this guy that I was working for, this when I was in beauty, I, I, I had a long beauty career. I was so upset before that I didn't get it. And then when I actually had the talent and when I was ready to perform properly, that's when I got the job. I mean, it always like plays out somehow. So tell me for somebody who wants to be a fitness trainer, maybe they're just super passionate about fitness and they want to teach. Maybe they don't know where to start. What would you say? What's the first step? I think the first step is obviously get certified. So learn about the craft. And then I would say, just put you into it. (laughs) That's the Mm -hmm. best way to explain it. Make it you. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're not reinventing the squat. We're not reinventing the push-up. We can, you know, I can add some tricks and some turns to certain things, but people get sold on you. So even like, I know there's trainers that know more than me. They can tell you that the gluteus maximus is doing this to that. And you're bending this knee because, and there's like specialists. And that's cool too. Like if that's your thing, nerd out, be like the nerd mm-hmm. out trainer that literally tells you exactly why you do everything and Like that's dope, but be you. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that it's about like putting yourself and your personality into the fitness um, and connecting. It's connecting with people. When people come to your class, they know they're going to get high energy, great workout. You're going to crack some jokes and it's going to be a feel good class versus maybe somebody else is like, you know, in their meditation zone and in their like spirituality or something. So like, Literally, you got like, I know exactly what I'm getting when I'm going to come to your class. And that's what I love. What do you do in those days when you don't feel like coming to a class? I mean, I have those days a lot. I'm a Gemini. So I have those days more (laughs) than you realize. But I think those are the days I need it most. You know, I just go. Mm -hmm. I always show up and and I, I literally feel better. 
because maybe that's the only thing I've done right today. You know, I like showed mm-hmm. up and, mm-hmm. and usually, I mean, you see the clients and you see how happy they are after and it kind of mm-hmm. changes your whole perspective. Fitness was a huge part of me getting sober. That's how I got sober because I had all that extra energy. I got into fitness. I found a love for it. And the bottom line is at the end of the day, I'm helping people. So helping people helps me. It gets me out of my selfish Mm -hmm. ways. It gets me out of my head. Yeah, I just really enjoy it. So so a lot of days I have nothing. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm like, damn, I don't know what I'm going to do today. And then something will inspire me or I'll see a familiar face or I'll see you or they'll be like, yo, can you play that song? Or, you know, (laughs) oh, my God, my ass was so sore. And I'm like, "Okay, you know what? I guess I got to give it to him again. (laughs) Yeah, I got to get that ass sore. Right. You're like, you know what? I guess I'm it's good. And I'll tell them I'll tell people, too. I'll be like, listen, I didn't want to show up today, guys, but you guys showed up. And you mm-hmm. are giving me energy. And I think it just makes people realize that you're human, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it makes you that much more relatable because I know, I know there's days you don't, I don't know how you always look beautiful. Like it took me just to put my makeup on. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have a lot of days where I just don't feel like showing up, but then I do show up exactly like you were just saying, like I come to, you know, I, I really love my followers and I love speaking to people. I love connecting to people. And I, and I lay in bed and I'm just, you know, I, I speak to them as if I know all of them individually. And I just say, yo, I'm having a horrible day. Even today right. I posted an Insta story saying I'm a little tired. And then, you know, I asked them, how are you feeling? And that's how we get that human connection. And that's how people see that this time of Instagram being, you know, so perfect and everybody's living a perfect life. I mean, I it's over, at least for me, I don't pretend like life is super amazing every single day. It's not. So I think when people see that, it's kind of you kind of let them know it's okay to not be okay today. And that's when they like you. But no, it's and I've struggled with that a lot. Like I couldn't, I didn't know what to do because I was, I was playing a persona like that. I'm always like, you know, high maintenance, bougie best friend, all of that, that kind of happened around my branding. But people actually connect with you when they feel like you're like one of them. Yeah. I would love to talk about your relationship with your daughter. Oh, yay, Gigi. (laughs) Tell me everything. I, I see that like when I, I, when I mentioned her name, like your eyes were just like sparkling. <laughs> yeah, that's my girl. That's my girl. She's 13, just turned 13, just got her period. That was crazy. Um, <laughs> Congrats. I was Gigi. like, wow. I know. I have a woman. I had a, uh, a girl do my nails and she said in Korea, they actually do a period party. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, we need to bring that to America. Can you imagine you get your period and they throw you a party and they yeah. have like pads and tampons and we're just throwing them at each other? It's like, that's a great idea because pads it are is. expensive. It is. <laughs> it is. Like a pad gifting. This is the pad station. Bring your pads, right. girls. Exactly. And you teach a girl how to put on a tampon and that'd be mm-hmm. great a little educational moment but yeah she's I mean she's been with me I've always had full custody of her she mm-hmm. wasn't the reason I got sober at all by any means because I didn't get sober till she was like three so she wasn't enough for me to get sober I know a lot of people think oh why aren't my kids enough like I get it now because my mom didn't get sober for me so mm-hmm. I a hundred percent know what that means like don't ever feel like when we go back to saying like don't feel like it's you because mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with you. But thank God she was, she's always been just as sweet as baby. They say God can only give you what you can handle. 
And I think he knew <laughs> that I was a crazy bitch because he gave me the sweetest. And when I tell you she would sit in a corner and play dolls, she like even now she's soft spoken. She likes to do like she's a, a thespian. Not to be com- mm-hmm. confused with lesbian because I thought they were the same thing almost. A thespian, <laughs> she's, she does the arts, um, which uh-huh. she could be a lesbian. I don't care. She can be whatever she wants, but she does like plays and acting. We've gone to adult. I signed her up for an adult acting class and I went with her and it actually made my teaching even better because it, it's like public speaking, you know, and it helped mm-hmm. me with my, my craft and we would go do that together. I'm kind of like the un, functional mom you know like if i have to go to my podcast i'll take her or like my panels mm-hmm. i take her to my panel mm-hmm. if it's at 100 yeah, i remember Lucky, I, I met her yeah. at that panel mm-hmm. i'm very open with her she's been to aa meetings with me she knows i i struggle with addiction i mean if i drank today she'd probably be like yo what the hell um mm-hmm. but she never actually saw me like sloppy or anything thank god mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. a gift of of being sober and she's a good kid she's a good kid it's just it's hard to navigate, you know. Uh, I had this conversation with my client this morning, having kids and having social media. It's 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 very hard because how am I going to tell her not to not feel validation from likes when I get validation from likes mm-hmm. and and I get angry when my content's not being seen because that's how I make my money or mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So um, I'm really just trying to build a strong individual that's confident in themselves enough to know that this is just social media. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It can be used for, for good, good things. But at the end of the day, it doesn't value, it doesn't determine worth of a human, of a life, you know, but it's hard. It's really hard because, you know, I mean, I go to her school and these kids are like, Oh, you're the mom on TikTok that does the five workouts. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah, they, yeah, they like yeah, know yeah. who I am, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. How was it raising her as a single mom? I think it's easier. And I mean, people might think I'm crazy for saying that, but I think it's harder to have to co-parent with someone. You know, her dad is kind of absent in the sense that he comes around when he wants to. So I never had to deal with like big decisions with him, you know, but yeah, I mean, obviously there were, I was on food stamps up until, Mm -hmm. you know, my fitness career took off, you know, and I was on, I got government cheese and government milk. I did all that, uh, food stamps and the other one, there were times I couldn't pay my bills, you know, and I didn't get any help. There were times that I wanted to go do stuff and I couldn't because I had a kid, you know, like, but today that's not my story. So Mm -hmm. you just make it work. I mean, I always would think like, there's got to be people with more kids out there in a worse situation than me. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. even my mom, she did it with two kids and an addiction. She did it. You know, it wasn't the best, but she did it. So I I think sometimes it's easier. I hear about people that co-parent and even, and I'm married. I have a husband. Mm -hmm. It's like having another Mm -hmm. child. I realize. (laughs) Leaves his socks on the table. Like, who does that? (laughs) All these years. A lot of other other guys, definitely. Wes doesn't have his on the table today, but they're they're around. They're around for sure. Like, (laughs) so, you know, I see how it can be hard to co-parent. Co-parenting is hard. I get a lot of questions from single moms when they're first starting to get back into the dating world. And they're like, how am I going to tell the guy that I have a kid? Like, they're a little confused about, you know, when to bring it up. What would be your advice? I mean, I would definitely tell them straight up. Like, I don't know if you could put a picture. I wouldn't put a picture on your kid on your Bumble profile. But mm-hmm. you know what? I would just tell them straight straight up. But I definitely don't think you should introduce anyone to your child till like six months in. Mm -hmm. Cause it's not even worth it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? 
but let them know that you're a mother. I think now we live in a time where I think it's a little bit more accepted. I think when I was a single mom, it was like, you know, there was a stigma more to it. I think now, you know, people are way more accepting of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and you know what? It adds value. If you can take care of a human, you can definitely take care of a man. Because at the end of the day, these men are babies, you know, man babies. (laughs) I love them. Don't get me wrong. I love my man, but he a man baby. So. (laughs) definitely uh, Right. But yeah, I mean, I don't think you should be ashamed at all. You don't want to be with somebody if you're ashamed to tell them that you're, and, and it's, and, and also, you know, you come with confidence. You let them know, yeah, I'm a single mother. I have a great relationship with the father. I don't have a great relationship with the father, but I'm, do, I do what I have to do. My daughter is priority. Is that going to be a problem for you? And mm-hmm. if, you know, and if they say, yeah, I don't want to come second to a kid. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bye. No, 100%. Okay. Star, I would absolutely love everybody to get access to your workouts if they're not in miami unfortunately they can't come to your class but is there any other way they can see your videos or something like that i started an online uh daily zoom class at 12 o'clock monday through friday i actually started mm-hmm. it through during covid mm-hmm. i was one of the first trainers to put my workouts on OnlyFans. <laughs> I was not selling feet pics, but I probably should have been. Uh, <laughs> but I was one of the first trainers to use OnlyFans and I had uh, over 400 women on OnlyFans, which is kind of cool. I see women yeah. sometimes and they're like, you're the reason why I got an OnlyFans. But uh, now I have my own site, babymamafitness.com. I have a daily Zoom Monday to Friday, 12 p.m. I'm actually taking my first week off. I have not taken a break since the beginning of COVID. I'm going to India with my husband tonight. Ooh. So excited. But it's a dollar a day. I try to keep Pilates affordable. I want to pl- appeal mm-hmm. to the masses, to the moms, mm-hmm. to the single moms. I want you to be able to do it in your living room with your child. It's a dollar a day. It's $30 a month. I have over 200 workouts on my library on demand. You can do them after work too. And then I have classes all over Miami and I do free mm-hmm. classes in Miami. I do a free monthly Pilates. I'm all about giving to the culture and helping. I do a lot of free stuff. So I would love, I love that. for anyone to join. Thank you. I love that. And can please, please share your socials. Where can everybody find you? Baby Mama Fit on Instagram, B-A-B-Y-M-O-M-M-A-F-I-T. And on TikTok, my TikTok's about to be crazy with the India content. Get ready. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> love that. Uh, also, that name, so Baby excited. Mama Fit. Like, you have a cool name here. You have a cool Instagram. Like, you, you got some good Thank names, you. girl. <laughs> Thank you. I started training a bunch of moms. And it, like, I'm telling you, you like grow into everything. I, mm. I really believe in energy and just how thing timing is everything and how everything comes together. And you just got to keep doing the right thing. And sometimes life kicks you down, but just don't give up. Don't give up. Talk to someone, get help. If you're struggling, like there's so many people that are struggling with mental health. I can't say it enough and reach out. They can reach out to us, get into a fitness class, do some stuff for your mental, meditate eat healthy, like good vibrations all around. (laughs) I love that. I was about to say, do you have any final words? But I think this sums it up perfectly. So Star, thank you again for being on the podcast. And I'm going to invite everybody to check out. I'm going to put everything in the show notes so they can just uh, click it really easily. And yeah, thank you everybody for listening. And thank you, Star, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You're amazing. Um, yeah, I love everything that you're doing too. So I would, I feel really good being here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Thank you everybody for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye.